0: A little bit about last week. Just to recap, this is a, a pretty, pretty interactive, not interactive, uh, integrated part one and two from, from last week and this week. So I just wanted to recap in case I uh, missed some of, of what we talked about last week. We, we spent time focusing on the image and the beast in chapters two and seven and understanding how those kingdoms were known well in advance With Daniel's writings and how, uh, through all of that, we can we can know and understand God's sovereignty. And so today, we are going to talk a little bit more about that. And you'll notice that last week we didn't complete all of those uh, those beasts, and we didn't go the whole way through that image. And we're going to grow on that. But Mike already mentioned that you guys had some homework. So, what I'd like to do with the homework and how we'd like to talk about that is I would like to ask the kids to help the parents and the adults with their homework. Would you guys be okay if you did that? So, if you find yourself a kid of pretty much any school age, because I have a decent amount of things that I need help with, so don't be too shy. Come on up. So, I'm going to give you guys some papers. So, what I'm going to have you guys do is just tell me just super quick, just like in a sentence or so, what's on your paper? It's like a ram sort of thing with four horns and another horn growing off of it. Okay, all right. And what do you have, sir? The same thing. The same thing? The same exact thing? Basically. Basically, okay. But maybe a little bit different? Yeah. Okay. It's basically just a, a unicorn goat. A unicorn goat. Okay, what do you have, Xavier? I have something with two horns that fell off. Something with two horns that fell off. All right, Logan, what do you have? Uh, like a goat with a horn. A goat with a horn, all right. We're detecting themes here, guys. All right, Keely, what do you have? Two goats. Two goats? Is that a goat? That's a ram. That's a ram, okay. So a goat and a ram, you might say. Livy, what do you have? So I have um, four, I have the same... I have um, a goat that has four horns and one fell off. Okay, and one fell off. Okay, what do you have? What one is that has circles. Circles. And a whole one. Ones that have whole circles. Okay, and Christy, what do you have? I have a goat with one horn. goat with one horn. All right, so guys, what we have here are the images that hopefully sound familiar as you did your homework in chapter 8. So can you guys help me uh, if you guys could all stand now and then turn around and maybe take a step towards me, which is backwards, and can you guys help them? Because I'm not sure that as we would have read Daniel 8, that it went just like this. So I'm not sure that like Kira is where we started and picked up chapter eight, probably not. So let's do a, a little bit of shouting out, it's okay. Um, Where should we start? Everyone hold your paper so that the audience can see it. There we go. Hold them up. Great. So where are we introduced first with in Daniel chapter 8? Okay. With a ram. Whoop! With a ram. Okay. And then what comes next? We're introduced to a goat. Christy, come on up. Okay. And then what happens... They fight. The ram and the goat fight. Who's fighting? Keeley's fighting. Okay. And then what is the outcome of that fight? This. this. Can you tell me what the outcome is? It, it's the ram breaking his horn. The ram breaks his horn. Come on up, bud. All right. And then after the ram breaks his horn, we get like a zoom in, if you will, on what? Come on, we can talk louder. The goat, right. So now we have four different goat images here. So let's figure out, here, I'll sit down. Um, let's figure out in what order they would go. So first, we're going to zoom in on the goat. And what does he, what does he look like? <laughs> Xavier says, Logan goes next. Logan, why don't you go ahead up? I'll help the audience with one. Audience, what happens after we look at Logan's single horned goat? <laughs> shh, 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 stop giving them all the answers. It's their homework. <laughs> they should have done it okay four horns all right somebody else what happens next we have four horns and then what happens fifth horn with the small small. and then what does the horn do It it grows Libby thank you all right guys let's turn yours around so then also in chapter eight um in your homework so it was told to you who these were so who was the ram Mito Persia, great! Bruce did his homework. Alright, and then we were introduced to the goat, and who was the goat? Oh man, you guys are good. Alright, and then what happens? They fight and they fight, and then the horn drops off. Thank you. Yeah, hold those up. And then we get introduced to who? Who is this guy? Who is who is Logan? Woo! Woo! And then we get this like zoom in. We're gonna skip you. Sorry, buddy. Just, don't, don't take it personally. Okay. All right. And we're gonna skip and right and then right here, who do we who do we learn about at towards the end of chapter eight? Who do we who do we learn about at the end of chapter eight? Guys, it's right here. You can read it. If not, then the note sheets are useless. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Hey, you guys can keep those sheets. Thank you all for helping out. Thank you for helping the adults with their homework. I appreciate that. Well, thanks guys. I really do hope that you both did and enjoyed uh, your homework because it's going to help us a lot as we work through today. So it is. It's going to prove very helpful because what we are going to try to do today is move through and close out Daniel chapter 2. 7, 8, and 11. That's four chapters, all prophetic. It's going to be awesome, but a lot. So that's why homework was a little bit necessary. I mentioned we've talked through 2, 7, and 8 now, and today we're going to use Daniel 11 as kind of our outline to go through. And now we're going to pick up in uh, verses 1 through 4, and you can see that it basically gives you the setting that lines you right up with where you guys had for homework in Daniel chapter 8. And then it starts to get, to go from, from I would say, clarity to, to forecasting prophecy further, further out. So it gets a little less, dis, it's just as descriptive, but it's not as identifiable, maybe. As we talk about the warring kingdoms in verses 5 through 20, Now, I'm just going to pause here and just give you guys a couple of highlights that are, frankly, just awesome. In verses 5 through 20, which I, again, encourage you guys to read afterwards if you haven't already, it is phenomenal how the Word of God goes through, and it basically lays out the events. So just to give us perspective, what we find here, let's read verses 1 through 4 real quick. So also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now, I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up against the realm of Greece. So, four, so is giving the the lineage basically of Persia, and then stands up Greece by name, which is just awesome. This is like some four hundred years yet to come. Greece by name. Then the mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and accordingly. And then when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided into the four winds of heaven. Again, showing the straight parallel to the goat, but not amongst the posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. I.e., it wasn't his direct descendant that it, was, that it was given to. For his kingdom shall be uprooted, even for others besides these. And then it talks about, it. then it kind of dives in and focuses on the north and the south. And that's what it goes through verses 5 through through really 20, and it goes through this awesome just, man, it follows like the lineage and what happens. I mean, we're talking down to the details of like, hey, this person is going to marry in over here, but it's not really out of love. It's a spy. I mean, that kind of, and then they're going to report back. That's amazing. It's, it's right here. You look at these verses. What we are going to do today is start and pick up in verse 21, and not because it's particularly good, but, but it's, it stands to reason that the Scripture zooms in, and it moves a little slower, starting in verse 20, 21 with some added details. And so that's where we'll pick up our time today, and we're going to read that through. It says, and in this play, in his place, so it's just talking about the previous king, will arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honor or royalty, but he shall come in peaceably and seize the kingdom by intrigue. With the force of a flood, they shall be swept away before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after the league is made with him, he shall act deceitfully, for he shall come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably into the richest place of the providence, and he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. And he shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil, And riches, he shall devise his plans against the strongholds, but only for a time. He shall stir up this power and his courage against the kings of the south with a great army, and the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. Yes, those who eat of the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His armies shall be swept away, and many shall fall down slain. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil, and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper, for the end will still be at the appointed time. While returning to his land with great riches, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant and shall do much damage and return to his own land. At the appointed time, he shall return and go towards the south, but it shall not be like the former or the latter, for ships from Cyprus... Shall come against him. Therefore, he shall be grieved and return in rage against the Holy Covenant and do damage. So he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. And the forces shall be mustered against him, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. They shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. Those who deal wickedly against the covenant shall. He shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many ways. Yet for many days they shall fall by the sword and flame and by captivity and plunder. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with little help, but many shall join with them by intrigue. So what we're talking about is lining up with where you guys covered it and got through with the, with the ram and then the goat, and that horn that grew out of power and with its pompous words, it says. And so there, we're talking about and have lined up directly from the events that got us here from verses 5 through 20, Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV. And it goes through some of his military campaigns. First, very successfully, a very sneaky one where he went into Egypt on a friendly endeavor, basically. And then it turned out that he completely raided Egyptian storehouses of gold and pillaged and plundered a whole lot from their storehouses. And that's what it's talking about here, some in this earlier verses here in, in 24, where it says he'll enter peaceably. But then something happens. Antiochus tries to do it again, and it doesn't work this time. And again, this is one of these awesome examples of detail in Scripture So it says in verse 30, it says, for ships from Cyprus shall come against him. Do you know that the second military campaign of Antiochus didn't work? Because the Egyptians were given aid militarily through a navy envoy from Cyprus. You know, no big deal. Just that kind of specificity a couple hundred years ago before it happened. Just, it's okay. That's not awesome. So that doesn't go so well for him with that aid. And then what happens is this. He's forced to return, but he does so in rage. And as he returns through Egypt, so he's from the north, could you imagine if you were going, say, close to Ish, the coast, from Egypt, and you were traveling up along the eastern side of the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea, what would you hit along your way if you were traveling north? You would surely hit Israel. You would hit the land of the Holy Covenant, and it says that you would do damage. And then we pick up in verse 31, which is a particularly important verse. It says, And the forces shall be mustered with him, and they shall defile the sanctuary. They shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there an abomination of desolation. The pages of history, in addition to the pages of the words of Scripture, tells us what Antiochus did. As he went through, indeed, he is going to the temple, the land of the Holy Covenant. And so he, he says, no more daily sacrifice. I just got done reading through, it started in Genesis, and I just finished Numbers the other day, and it is amazing the depth and the care that God places on it. And because he knows and has established that he must provide a type or a possibility for justification for Israel and their sins. And he spends an elaborate time telling them an an order in which they could do so. And Antiochus just kind of swoops in. And not only does he say that they cannot do the daily sacrifice. Do you see that second one on there? That's huge. He pours pig's blood on the altar. The altar in the temple where the holy of most holies is and pig's blood on the other side. Do you guys know what kind of an animal, if you're in ancient Israel, what kind of an animal is a pig? Unclean. Holy unclean. So we're talking about, like, in those, in those books where I read, the manner that people had to go to, and then even the high priest that could enter the most holy, and the sacrifices and the sanctification that he had to go through to get into there, and they push through all of that and pour unclean blood right on the altar. And he doesn't stop there. So he not only is he, is he attempting to interfere and cancel, basically, their relationship with God, but it says that many will fall by the sword at his hand, and surely they did. So what we see Antiochus trying to do is he's basically trying to sanctify take the sanctification and cancel it. That's what he's doing when he sweeps through in his anger here in verse 31. And he does so, but only for a time. If we go back and we interweave Scripture and we align chapter 8, verse 14. Now, 8 was homework, so that's the ram and the goat, and it talks about the little horn. And there's in there a statement where the angels ask, and it says, how long will this happen? And it says, for 2,300 days. Beautifully specific. May I share with you the dates that start with the abomination and go through until the temple was cleansed? Who's good with math? Logan's good with math. Logan, what is 171 minus 165? one sixty-five? Six. I agree. If I add four months, that gives me a third of a year. Now, bonus points if anybody wants to do this without a phone calculator. Somebody take a hot second and divide 2,300 by 365. Come on, come on. We got smart people in here. You can use a calculator if you need to cheat. It's okay. 6.3. Apparently math runs strong in the Evans household. It's 6.3 years. So what we've done is we've walked through this beautifully detailed but all the while very troubling walk through of Antiochus' reign. We find it we've throughout Daniel 11 and also in 8. And As we keep reading in Daniel 11, I'd like to take a quick pause before we do that and talk about time. Because as we look at these prophecies... We want to understand a couple of things, and we need to come to what I'll say is common terms, if you will. We need to understand, and we, we talked about this a lot last week, and so hopefully we have an appreciation and we've sunken it in, that God is sovereign throughout all of time. It also means that He's not limited by time. We're not saying that He doesn't understand it, We're just saying that conceptually, and I don't even know how to describe this because it it almost cheats it moves through to the fourth point. But we lack the full capability to be able to even understand that because of how temporal we are, right? But His Word as an extension of Him as His mouthpiece carries His same capability, and so it moves throughout time. And it may do so easily, more easily, than our minds can sometimes comprehend. But here's the important thing that we need to understand. And it gets, it, it goes back wrapping all of this down, and then kind of hovers on that last point, is that if there's something that is confusing, it seems awfully kind of frankly ridiculous to take that and then say that our lack of understanding or revelation or clarity means that the system is indeterminate or out of control, whatever words you want to put in there, because we've just proved, I think proved, and not just stated, how awesomely specific and prophetic the word of God is. So I say all of this, and we just talked about, right, where did we, where did we leave off talking about the abomination, right? And so, turns out, Jesus also talks about the abomination, but maybe not about the same one, because let's read this together. It says, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy places, whoever reads, let him understand. So, look at the, um, I'm also, full FYI here, I am not an English or grammar person, but I am enough to know that, that this statement, therefore, when you see it, that's not past, it's not present, that's future tense, and he's referencing, hey, this is the same thing that Daniel was talking about. I say, well, David, that's a little confusing because we just talked about what Antiochus did to the temple. So was that not an abomination? Well, it was an abomination. It absolutely was. But that doesn't mean that it completely fulfills what Daniel is talking about when he says that there will be an abomination coming, because Jesus says that there is a greater abomination coming that Daniel spoke about. And it's not just there. We can pick it up in 2 Thessalonians 2. It says, now, brethren, concerning The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to Him. We ask you not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come, i.e., in case you're worried if you missed it, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition." still hasn't happened, don't worry. But here's more description for you for when it does. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So let's pick ourselves back up in Daniel 11. It says in For some of those, understanding shall fall, to refine them, purify them, and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. This is that transition, so we're going back now to Daniel 11, and we just talked through Antiochus, and we're on this, this point of transferring of time, basically. Now, sometimes when I get confused, I try to think about things in pictures or visuals or that sort of thing. So, if I may, I think I have an example of this. So when you start in episode four, what you know of, and like the embodiment almost, right? Or the epitome of evil is Darth Vader, right? But then as you read the rest of the story, you understand that, that there is someone bigger and badder than Darth Vader. And then throughout the franchise, we understand that like the full realization of evil is that which is seen in Darth Sidious. So so we get like a glimpse, a preview, a taste, if you will. And it's the same thing that we're seeing here in the prophecies of Daniel throughout all of these chapters. So when we talked about in chapters 2 through 7, this is where we, we ended. We walked through the kingdoms that have come, and then we put you on that like cliffhanger for last week. And you all made it back. Most of you did, it looks like, so thank you. And so now what we're talking about, we're segueing, and remember, we're leaving, the, we're leaving where we were in, in Daniel 8, lining up with the Medo-Persian and Greek empires. And we're starting to talk about the time, the end of time, the time which is yet to come, those days which are yet to be seen. All of these are words that transition us through to future, like not, not Daniel's future, but like future now. And that's where we start to look at and, and not enjoy, but just, just look at. The horns of the last beast in Daniel 7, 8. Much like we just saw the horns of the goat. It says, I was considering the horns and there was another, a little horn coming up from among them, by whom the three of the horns were plucked out by the roots. And there was in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and the mouth that would speak pompous words. It goes on to describe how he would basically fling insults and hurl them at not only the Most High, but His people as well. And so in, in Daniel 11, we're going to get back to it, and we're going to read verses 36 through 44. And we pick up after our transition. It says, Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the God of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. He shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall fully exalt himself above all. But in their place he shall honor a God of a fortress, and a God which his fathers did not know, and he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stone and pleasant things, all very physical. Then he shall act against the strong fortress. With a foreign God, he shall, according to knowledge, and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. At this time, at the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots, horsemen, and with ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through them. And he shall enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But those shall escape his hand or eat him. Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the lands of Egypt shall be shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver over all the precious things of Egypt, also of the Libyans and the Ethiopians, shall hollow at his hills. But news from the east and from the north shall trouble him, therefore he shall go out with great fury and destroy and annihilate many, and he shall plant tents in his place in his palace, between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to an end, and no one shall help him. And while some of these line up very acutely with Antiochus that we just studied, we can see that most of these that we just read through are pointing to a time that has not yet come to pass. If we go back in Daniel 7 and, and look at what the beast is doing. It says that he shall intend to change the times and the laws. See, what this person is doing, what the Antichrist, who we associate with this and label this as is doing, is he is attempting to not just basically cancel the sanctification. He is wholesale trying to change house, the times and the laws, the physical value of things, and to put himself above everything Remember that beast that said that he like destroyed things under his feet? We're talking about utter destruction here. See, what he is going to try to do is much greater. He is going to try to say that God's jurisdiction is canceled. Not that his sanctification is done or to try to stop that, but he's going back even further. He's getting bigger, and he is going to try to say that the jurisdiction of God isn't of this world. And that's what we're looking at when we see the changing of the times and the laws and the physical value of things is elevated. And now we we have two more weeks coming up and I hope that you're enjoying this study of Daniel but I will be frank and it is amazingly intertwined. And so there's there's glimpses here that we need to give and then we will give more detail throughout. So coming up we are going to talk about the timing of some of this. And Brian's going to talk about that in two weeks' time. And in three weeks' time, Dave is going to elaborate more about what this end shall be and some of the details here. But what we wanted to understand today was this, that we can see some of this in the near fulfillment with Antiochus. But if we look at the full, and not the taste of the preview that Antiochus offers, as bitter as it may be, But the full fulfillment of this at the Antichrist and how it completes the picture of the prophecies of Daniel, that's what we wanted to understand and appreciate today. So that might seem like a bad place to end a message, but what I wanted to do, because we're going to leave our focus on these chapters of the image and the beast and the horns, what I wanted to do was appreciate as a congregation kind of like what we did last week with understanding and and knowing his sovereignty, wanted to just reaffirm and give you guys like a glimpse of that which is to come and how most of these stories end. Uh, Hint, it's not most, it's all of them. So I'm going to have the kids come back up here. We're going to do an activity. And if you don't feel like cleaning up, you're actually welcome to as well. I have extra. This is our image from chapter 2. So which they had as a coloring page, but it's filled out. So gold, which is, help me out guys, let's move through this. Show me, we got this. Gold, which is Babylon. The chest and arms, Medo-Persian and the hips. You guys are good. The legs. And then today, we very briefly, but we covered the, the toes and the feet, which are? Cl- they're also made of clay. Very good, sir. Tar? They're hard. Yes, yes. All right, and so this future kingdoms to come, and so in, here you go, you can each have one, and I'm serious, if you want to enjoy in this activity as well, you're more than welcome to, I printed out like 20, so it helps with the effect, I don't mind, you just have to clean up afterwards. All right, so you guys hold tight, and let's all enjoy this together. We're going to walk through, we first, we're going to go reverse of how we started our stories and end our stories today in Daniel 11:45 where we were spending our time today at the end that section of scripture closed with this it said yet he too shall come to his end and no one will help him if we look at the ram or sorry the goat rather and the horn that springs off of that in Daniel 8 at the end of the verse it says but he shall be broken without human means If we go back again and look at Daniel 7, where the beasts are, this is the end of the beast. It says, but the court shall be seated. This is the court of the Most High. This is the future bride of the church, and shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. And then we'll end where we started these last two weeks, with the image, right? And this is how the image ends. It says, then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all crushed together, so guys, take your image for me and start crushing it, right? Because this is what's going to happen. These earthly kingdoms will be crushed, right? And then here's what it says, right? It says it will become like chaff from the summer threshing floors. This is the wind carried them away so that no trace was left to be found. The stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. You can go ahead back to your seats. We're going to close with a word of prayer. I'm going to read Daniel 2 as they work themselves back to their seats. In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a new kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and this kingdom shall not be consumed like all these other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Father God, we thank you that your kingdom is not made or defined by the things of this world, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the defiling beast, or rulers that speak pompous words. God, that your authority, God, over everything is certain, and it is caring for your holy nation both that of Israel and of your bride to come, as we see throughout the visions in Daniel. God, we sit today in awe and amazement of how you alone fully know and understand the impact of all of these, and we come along in this journey, God, to follow and to learn from you and your infinite wisdom. Amen.